Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, what else we bring to Good afternoon. Welcome into the run home on Thursday, the 2nd of March. How are you doing? Hope you're going well. Uh, great to have you joining us today with Kirst and Beef, all thanks to Mick Delivery. Well, Beaver has made his way to Melbourne, to our Melbourne SEN office, the home of Sports Entertainment Network. We'll be catching up with him very, very shortly. Plus, we're going to have all the news from the New Zealand Golf Open with our correspondent on the ground, Israel Dag, if he hasn't cracked into the beers too early. <laughs> and we've got plenty of other things coming up to talk about as well. Coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery, we are hoping to go down to Queenstown to Israel Dag plus BSI Beaver's World. What's happened in the last 12 hours since he jumped on the plane 1A to Emirate, on Emirates uh, over to Melbourne. After five o'clock, we've got the one and only Sean Maloney, Stan Sport commentator in Australia, uh, ahead of Super Round in Melbourne as well, to give us all the dirt and tell us if the Aussies have any chance of upsetting the Kiwi teams this weekend. We were around the grounds, all thanks to PGG Rights and Turf. Plus, we chat a little bit of netball. It is the ANZ Netball Premiership kicking off this weekend as well. First game on Saturday, and you've got an afternoon chocker of games on Sunday as well. We've got Mila Ruelu Buchanan from the Northern Stars joining us on the show. Drive to Survive, a $50 TAB bonus bet voucher will be, or could be, in your hot little hands after 5.40. After 6, we're catching up with our SEN commentator, Tommy Gallup, uh, ahead of the Sydney Kings New Zealand Breakers NBL final series. That all kicks off tomorrow in Sydney. They've got home court advantage first in the first of five game series. And... Well, Smithy caught up with Mike Anthony, who is the head of high performance at New Zealand Rugby. His job is basically uh, to look after the coaches. He coaches the coaches, Mike Anthony. Uh, it's been a wonderful interview. It was nearly 20 minutes long, and we've got the best bits for you after 6.30. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Beaver, let's bring you in from the big lights, the big sounds in Melbourne, and Look, one thing that I've noticed straight away since you are on video is you've dressed up for the, for Hutchie and the crew over in Melbourne. There's no guns out or singlets <laughs> that you're rocking today. You've got a shirt on. It's a polo. It's we a don't polo. get this, Beaver. Uh, excuse me? We uh, get the not well put together, Beaver, daily. <laughs> we get the white bank shack, Beaver. Uh, 
Oh, outrageous from you two. I uh, can't look, believe you've dressed up for our boss. I, I, always, I always come into You never make an ask, effort. And I started to sound like my wife. Uh, you don't I, make an effort. And today you're wearing a Ralph Lauren polo <laughs> in blue. You look like you're hitting the, the golf links of Royal Ascot or something rather than uh, the SEN office. I think you're getting confused with the picture beaming out of Queenstown at the moment from one Israel Dag. It's not Ralph Lauren. Uh, probably just a little Kmart number um, these days. What's well, the one me, with but... the dog on it? <laughs> <laughs> the dog on the even, chest, what's that brand? Polo? I don't, I, I, I don't, it's not yeah, Ralph Lauren Polo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You two need to pipe down. First and foremost, um, you're fantastic to be at the home of our station. Uh, That's where it all started. Office. It is where it all started, and I can tell because, my word, there's some quality workmanship around here. Uh, I wanted something printed out. No excuses about poor printers or paper jams around here, Jacob. They just gave me the. It's because they can afford document. a technician. We can't afford one, so I'm a one man army. I've got I've got to be the technician, the producer, the you've got to do everything around here, mate. The guy that just gave me uh, my bits of paper, young Jordan, he's actually presenting a trackside uh, show right next to me. But he says, Beaver, I'll get you that. There's a printer issue. I'll go downstairs. I'll get the other printer. And it's just that's how snappy they are here. So a lot to a lot to learn. I wish I'd flown you over in my suitcase like we talked about, Jacob. Yeah, um, because yeah. Uh, could have been could have been a valuable education for you. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I need my eyes opened uh, to the to the world of of <laughs> an actually well run um, show um, <laughs> of Beaver. Yeah, um, that'll be great. Next time, next time. What else have you noticed uh, one hour into the job in Melbourne? Have you seen the big boss yet? Have you been down to McDonald's McDelivery Cafe on site at the HQ? No, I, ha- well, I didn't even know that was there. I, I should have really. Oh, you um, haven't had no. the Grand Tour yet? No, I haven't had the Grand Tour. I uh, Pete actually threatened to give me the Grand Tour, but I just ran out of time because I had to whip down and get some lunch. I couldn't find a Macca's, so I just went down to their local cafe Got a club off a club sandwich off them, which which is always a favourite of mine. And I don't know what they do with the avocado in Australia. It's like they put a, some sort of a herb in there and they mix it all up with the lemon. But my word, Ooh. I'm going to bring that home to New Zealand. Smashed avo, was it? There. Some sort of smashed avo. So I might go back there tomorrow before the show and just ask them, what did you do with your avo? Because, geez, it was lovely. Well, you're really changing. You're having smashed avo in a club sandwich mm. wearing a Ralph Lauren polo <laughs> in Melbourne. Not. Where is Beaver it's, gone? It's You've been Ralph there for Ralph. all of six hours. This is what happens when you fly Emirates. <laughs> what and, shoes and are you I, wearing today, Beav? Something other than I, jandals? Can I, I am wearing other than Jandals. Um, can I just confirm that I wasn't in 1A listeners? I was in 52.6. Uh, 52.6 isn't even a seat, Beeb. <laughs> and you'll hear a Sounds lot like more. Sounds like right next to the pilot to me. <laughs> and you'll hear a lot more about that in Beaver sees it. But yes, in Melbourne, Super Rugby just around the corner of a Super Round. Um, uh, can you feel it? Does anyone know rugby's on in the uh, home of AFL and the Melbourne Storm? The only thing I've been getting told about by my Uber drivers uh, today is the 107,000 that are going to young Ed Sheeran tonight at the MCG. Wow. Um, so Super Round hasn't really um, gripped the city. I haven't seen any advertising hoardings yet, um, but I'm sure they are somewhere. I'll, I need to get closer to Amy, but they'll be able to show me where it's all going down. But uh, no, it's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff here in Melbourne. And uh, i tell you what. They're having their summer now. We're not missing much. Their weather's not, not flash here. Not great? Still, well, I didn't bring a jumper. Uh, I feel like I need to go and purchase me a wee sweater uh, from somewhere. Um, I just can't throw. believe you're wearing a polo. 
<laughs> in the office. Still sporting the hat, though. Yeah, well, I'm on point. Uh, Brand, you never you never leave without your Grins hat on. Um, so I wish you actually got and talked to a few people about Grins this morning, and uh, they, they threw me a couple of craft beers, which I was just being polite and drunk, but um, there's, there's some different craft beers over here. i tell you what. Craft beer market over here. It's got a bit going on. Got very uh, taste sensations. They're just throwing yes. everything into the mix. Yes, very much so. Coffee, um, strawberry, chocolate, all sorts. Chocolate, you name it. Yep, uh, anchovy. Which obviously Ooh. I don't even. I don't even want an anchovy in my Caesar. So there's no way I wanted an anchovy craft beer. But uh, yes, certainly some funky stuff that they do over here. Um, now, if my mood swings in and out of um, positivity in the next three hours, it's because. In the air breaks, I'm sitting right next door to, as I said, the trackside crew here at SCN. Oh, no. And but you can't <laughs> bet over there. Have you got a sports bet account? Oh, does my TAB account not work No, yet? it doesn't, babe. I tried oh. this when we were in Australia. <laughs> Take it from me. Lord. It doesn't work there. <laughs> oh, really? So, so you're going to have to get an Australian betting account, sports bet, or oh, whatever they call it. It's all, it's all I need, another account, um, because I've got some really good tips for this weekend. Um, but what from no, Jordan next door? No, no, no Jordy's Jordy's panel up. He's um, he, he does a great job. He's actually doing two at, two at the same time here. No, there's a crew right next door, and uh, they're doing all the country, country Australian races at the moment. And apparently, ex jockey in there, great tipster. And the great thing about country Australia races, I don't know if you've ever paid much attention on your on your couch watching them during the week. Curse, always outsiders come in. Geez, there's some rough horses that win these far-flung courses around the outback of Australia. So I was quite looking forward to getting on the TAB account and, and maybe taking BP and the boys for a bit of a ride this afternoon. But uh, now, I, now I've been oh, – I know I do – I couldn't work out my TAB account. Well, we can put Dubai. the bets on for you, Beef. So what you need okay. to do during the break, go and get the tips, come out of the yes. break, share them with us. We can put them on from New Zealand so we can still be a part of it. Oh, sensational. Samantha Collett. Uh, just one in uh, Ipswich, so it's uh, that's a good carry result anyway. So it's a complete side issue here. Ah, oh, total <laughs> side issue. The, it's like I'm in a TAB. I've got like four massive screens in front of me. Um, geez, I'm busy. I'm busy trying to work out how I start an Australian betting account now. <laughs> well, while you do that, we're going to run through some of the headlines from today. Uh, this is a really, really cool story. A Kiwi goalkeeper Max uh, Crocom. I should say. Uh, he's helped fourth division side Grimsby Town pull off a shock in the FA Cup. They beat a Premier League side, Southampton, who's ranked 64 places ahead of them, uh, to make it to the FA Cup quarterfinals for the first time in the club's history since 1939. That's how long it's been. Now, on Phoenix Nation, Ricardo Ball had Scotty Wooten, who, of course, played over in the Premier League, now plays for the Wellington Phoenix. And he just put it into perspective what this actually means for a club like Grimsby Town. That one game alone could completely change the fortunes of, of, of Grimsby Town. You know, the money they would they would get from that going away to the Premier League ground would be huge. It changed the fortunes of the club in terms of the budget, sort out the finances, the experience that the players and staff have got of going to the Premier League venue is, is it's just huge, really. You can't really replicate it. And like you say, for the fourth-tier team to get to the quarter-final is, a, is an amazing achievement, really. Uh, so, so fair play to them and, and fair play to the goalkeeper. I was aware of it this morning coming in. A few of the boys said that. He, he was knowing who played with him in the all-way to say that he was starting goal against Southampton. And so we were keeping an eye on the results and, and you know, credit to them. It's a great, great win. That was Scotty Wooten on Phoenix Nation and when he talks about life changing for this club. So fourth division team, just for winning that game alone, they get £250,000. That's not including gate sales or uh, broadcast revenue. 
so they get half a million dollars without the extras on top of it. It's the magic of the FA Cup, isn't it? Really? Like, I mean, there's so many massive leagues around the world, obviously surrounding the the global game, but the FA Cup stands out on a bit of its on a bit of its own because I guess the romance, the fact that anyone can progress through it. Obviously, you know, there's the big clubs are still going to be very thereabouts at the end, but these Cinderella stories of runs of you know, your, almost your pub team in comparison, really. I mean, probably fourth division, they're still probably fully-fledged professionals, wouldn't they be, Jacob? But in saying that, they're obviously <laughs> pale into insignificance as far as comparing that to uh, the likes of Southampton uh, in the Premier League. The Black Ferns have confirmed uh, their test schedule for the year. Two match test series for the Laurie O'Reilly Cup. One match in Australia, one match in New Zealand. The venue is yet to be confirmed, but that is on September 30 if you want to see the Black Ferns live in action in New Zealand. Before that, though, they've got the Pacific Four series coming up, which is run by World Rugby. New Zealand, Australia, Canada and USA all compete for that. It'll be split between Australia and Canada for our women as well. Uh, But I saw something interesting on social media today, Beeve. It was Charles Barclay who spoke on a podcast about his relationship with the great, the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Have a listen to this, and then I've got a question for all of you. This one I knew Michael Jordan was crazy. Me, him, Chuck Daly, and David Robinson go play golf. We're playing Puerto Rico that afternoon. Chuck says, hey, guys, we played 18. Let's go. Michael said, I'm going to play another 18. Chuck said, we got a game tonight. He says, I'll be good. (laughs) We get to the game. David you got this guy, Charles. You got this guy, Michael. You got got this guy. Michael said, "No, I got the I got the point guard." What? You don't want to guard the two guard? Michael's kind of leaning down. Michael looks like, "I said I got the point guard." He said some shit about me in the newspaper, and I'm gonna get him. <laughs> and we're looking around like, "Uh oh, this little kid in trouble." It's just amazing how he played 36 holes of golf, and he's guarding this dude like it's game seven, and he's talking, "Don't you ever say my damn name again?" I'm like, "Yo, man, it's something wrong with this dude." <laughs> how was that for a story, Charles Blackley, on Michael Jordan about this young kid who was talking smack? about Michael Jordan in the paper, comes up against him, Jordan guards him after 36 rounds of golf. He's ultra competitive. Who is that in rugby beef? Who is the Michael Jordan of rugby? World rugby, New Zealand rugby, who is it? Who is so competitive that that's exactly what they would do? I know everyone's competitive that plays sport at a professional level, but we're, we're talking about the top of the top. Like This is more than just competitive, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very unique situation. Uh, on a side note, Michael Jordan, his preparation seemed to vary from game to game. I've read books and stories about how he was in Atlanta gambling until about three o'clock, mm-hmm. four o'clock the morning of an NBA Finals game, and, and obviously playing thirty-six holes. Uh, I don't think a rugby player would be allowed to play nine holes on the same day that he's playing a uh, a, a game. There he probably wasn't be allowed to either, but he's Michael he's Jordan. Um, when it comes to competitiveness, and this was probably similar, well, probably not, he wouldn't go personally after opposition per se, uh, but competitiveness as far as wanting to win and if he lost at anything really through the toys was probably the great All Black Centre Conrad Smith for me. Uh, and why I say that, and I know that might shock a few people, obviously look at Conrad, this obviously well-spoken lawyer, qualified and all the rest of it, um, butter on his mouth, his mouth sort of guy, uh, he used to have this claim, and it was certainly 
in the middle to late part of his career. I don't know if he still claimed it by the end, but his claim was he never once lost a conditioning game. And now conditioning games is, uh, for those that don't know, make up a big part of a training week, or certainly did, I don't know about the modern day. But on Monday, trainers, coaches would get the boys' legs flowing again, get a bit of a sweat out from whatever the boys might have done to themselves over the weekend. And it would be touch or it would be high, uh, sort of hybrid games of touch or football or frisbee touch and things like this just to get everyone moving again. He claims to have never lost a single fixture in conditioning games, which I'm picking, he's done it every week. There's probably three or four games, a training session of conditioning games. So three or four a week for the best part of 15 years that his career lasted for is a massive, massive claim. But uh, as far as competitiveness, he would be one that would stand out. The fact that he'd uh, claimed that curse in the first place um, and then seeing some of the, I won't say tantrums, but seeing some of the, the dummy spits if things weren't going his way in those sorts of situations, he would have to rank uh, very highly in that regard. Probably a centre partner would be the one that would uh, go after people personally. Like uh, like MJ. <laughs> Like MJ, he's going just a think, young eighteen-year-old that's fresh yeah. out of uh, first fifteen. Yeah, I'll make mincemeat of this guy. That's probably <laughs> that was probably Mars' role, and then Conrad was just the uh, the statesman trying to keep his uh, conditioning record a hundred percent, which which he still claims. So I'll, I'll need to verify that he saw his career out undefeated in mm. conditioning games, but he would be the one for me, Kirst. Conrad Smith, our very own Michael Jordan. What do you think, double eight, double three on the Temper and Bedpost text line? Uh, plus, good news for you, Beef. You can bet in Australia on the TAB app, but not on the app. You've got to do it online. That's what Sam's saying. You can use the website. Thank you, Sam. Thank I don't know you if you should have much. told him that, Sam. I don't know if you should have told him that. Uh, but Beaver will be back with some tips. And when we come back as well, we're talking about the All Blacks coaching role because we've got some clips from the head of high performance at New Zealand Rugby, Mike Anthony. It's just before the break, Beaver uh, gave us an insight into one of the most competitive rugby players, just like Michael Jordan was one of the most competitive basketballers going around. Conrad Smith, maybe he's got some competition beef since then Brick with Brad Thorne. Would potentially yeah, well, be our MJ. Well, they, they certainly had, you know, obviously Zinzan from far didn't obviously play, although you probably think I am, same era. Um, <laughs> certainly had that sort of uh, edge to him. Uh, Thorny, obviously, just a, just a success story, isn't he? Whatever he touched turned to gold. So, yep, yeah, no, I can see that. Uh, I can see that comparison. Who do you think is our Michael Jordan of rugby? Doesn't have to be a New Zealand rugby player. Can you see any comparisons? Uh, double eight, double three, let us know. Now, earlier, Ian Smith caught up with Mike Anthony, who's the head of high performance at New Zealand rugby, about the coaching decisions that have been made. Ian Foster will not be the coach after the World Cup, uh, and they will appoint it by mid April. Here's what he had to say this morning. I don't want to comment on the coaching process piece, but look, depending on who steps into that role, they're going to have awareness of the talent that's in this country. I think it's been pretty evident. Uh, you know, there's some names being thrown around. They they're looking at talent all the time. Um, they don't get to where they get to without having a good eye for that, and, and will certainly make the connections that they need to. You know, my my focus is making sure that we support Foz and the team as best we can to to go and win a World Cup, and uh, that's where our energy will go. Um, you know, there's then a, a period where 
with Super Rugby and so on, uh, and a reset with some guys going away where you know people know where the gaps are going to be. So start to they'll start to look at that. But our energy is very much on uh, giving our All Blacks the best chance to go and win a World Cup in France, which is going to be a massive challenge. But you know they've shown some some great improvements in the last period, uh, and it'll certainly uh, be right in the mix. So I'm sure in what's going to be a tough side of the draw. Now, Beef, what do you reckon Ian Foster's mindset is uh, over the next six months? Obviously, his clear focus is winning the Rugby World Cup for his own career and for his team. But in terms of his relationship with his employer, New Zealand Rugby, what's he thinking? This is kind of like, you know, I don't know if you guys have this in rugby, but in media, it's very common to have a restraint of trade in your contract and you've always got a certain amount of time you have to work out at the company before someone can poach you. The same sort of thing's happening with Ian Foster. He's got six months left. He knows it. It doesn't matter how he does. He can't continue. He only has six months left in the job. What do you do? Well, there would be some some bitterness towards your employer, wouldn't there? There would have to be, and unlike probably me and you, we would be stealing stationery. Um, oh, you do that without your job being on the line. <laughs> Excuse me, I use my stationery at the at said uh, place of work, um, but yeah, it's probably a unique situation because the apple, you know, at the end of it is so big, so. He, he will want to win the World Cup because all of a sudden that will open doors for him anyway. But if he doesn't open doors, then it it, it probably it, it, it makes any future jobs a lot tougher to acquire. But if you if you go and win the World Cup, and you're expected to anyway, being the All Black coach, you, you'd be going there to very much win the World Cup, then you should be able to keep yourself focused on that, where, as we said... I'd love to know what other sort of stuff people have done. Have they worked to sabotage uh, employers when they've had to be stay on, when they've been forced to stay on? Because it does happen, doesn't it? You, you talk about the restraint trade in some industries. Some say some people have to stay there months, even though they know that there's no future there. I'd love to hear some listener stories about uh, some of the things some of the pity things. Some it doesn't have to things. just be months, Beef. Sometimes when you know you've only got two weeks left in the job, you go, oh, well, I'll just take on my sick leave now. <laughs> you can cause some damage. Yeah. Sabotage. I'd, 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 I'd use my sick leave up like, I'd ring them up at like five to nine if I'm supposed to work at nine o'clock. <laughs> I'll ring up at five to nine so they couldn't get a replacement. Oh, you're very like bitter, that. aren't you? You do hold yeah. a grudge, Beef. Yeah, well, I'm saying if if I was to be put in that situation. Mm. Have you got any stories for us? If you want to remain anonymous, that's absolutely fine as well. Have you got any stories about when you knew you were out of a job but you still had to work out a notice period? Double eight, double three on the temper and bed post text line or 0800 150 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. Would love to hear from you. And when we come back from news and sport, we're going down to Queenstown to catch up with the one and only Israel Dag. So there's this song that comes to my mind when uh, our next guest comes on. I don't know if you would have heard of it, Beeb. It's like feeling good, like I should. Israel Dag, live from Millbrook Resort in Queenstown. My mate, day one of the Pro-Am. Tied for 38th. You went six under with your Pro. How are you feeling right now? Where are you? Give us the vibe and buzz. Feeling good. 
Well, I got you. I don't want to get it on the neighborhood. Feeling fresh. Now I'm feeling good. Feeling good, team. I'm uh, happy as the buzz is flying here. We're on the green just watching Hole 18. Watching a few highlights, sipping a few tubes. Things are good. Is this like the 18th hole at that Phoenix Open you went to? Yeah, pretty much. They've got like a whole stadium around the 18th. So I'll be playing it tomorrow night. And I'll be coming into it about 7.30 if I birdie that. The flag's going to get an absolute hiding. I'm going to put on the show. Izzy, talk to me. You and yes. your partner, minus six. Did you did you yeah. score yourself? Do you play yourself in this, or is this strictly the the prime aspect of it? Uh, my pro had a bit of a sore back for about thirteen. I must be honest. And then Daggy, when the cameras turned up, you wouldn't believe it, but Daggy birdied it. And then had to do a full interview and full you know media everywhere. So cameras shining. Daggy puts on a little clinic. No, look, it's, it was the next day. Oh, when you play these programs, you get seven shots. All my shot holes I kind of butchered and made it hard work. But six under, I think the leader's around 10, 10 11. So we're still in the hunt. Um, top 40 will go through to the day three. So I'm still still happy. And you've got a one-shot lead over Baz. How sweet is that? You know what, mate? I had dinner with Baz the night before, and I heard this big yarn, you know, Baz. Oh, he birdied five of the holes out there today. Five birdies. I was like, oh, yeah, but you never win a major on Wednesday. So Thursday, first tee off I heard, straight into the car park. So he had a tough day, I've been before. He was, he was spraying it everywhere, but he's still in contention. I think I'm leading from the amateurs, five, six under, and then Bears maybe second. Oh, no, Fleming's seven under, so he's still up there yes. as well. So, yeah, we've got a good chance. How's everyone else gone? Jeff Wilson, Hayden Patton, uh, all these other athlete-turned-golfers this week. <laughs> Well, I heard Jeff um, having a bit of a whinge before, which is not surprising, really. Uh, he looked out about six times. Uh, he, he Who was he whinging about times. this time? Uh, whinging about the ball. So, really, the ball can't speak back. So there's no surprise there. Um, but he looked out a couple of times. But, yeah, it's, it's such a great event. You two have to come down. And I know, Kirsty, you love your golf. And you think, like, this is a story Kirsty told me after one week playing golf. Oh, stop it. She was like, the pro said to me, I'd be top 10 amateur in New Zealand if I continue on. Like, legit. She wasn't even lying. I was like, you're kidding me. Um, so come down and, and witness it. If you're around the Queensland area, it's such a good day. The sun's shining, the beers are flowing, and everyone's having a good time. And so you're obviously finishing at 7.30 tomorrow night. I presume that's a pretty late tee-off then. So it opens you up your ah. evening. So you know what that means, uh, Beef. Yeah, two, two o'clock tea off tomorrow night. Uh, tomorrow afternoon. Oh, so I've beautiful. Got a, I've got, I've got, a, I can ease my way into the morning. I have a sleeping, and uh, then I'll have breakfast. I'll go eat a coffee, and I might even go stretch out at the gym. Not, but then I'll go to the range and have a few balls, and then I'll head out to my tea time one fifty, and I'll find out if I make the cut. And if I don't make the cut, then uh, I'll have a big weekend. I can't wait. You'll be getting cut if you don't make the cut. You probably already are anyway. Before we let you go, is uh, Steve Alcott leading uh, the professionals yes. at the moment, five-way oh. share of the lead. How good is this guy up close and personal? He's so good. He's such a champion. And he's a good man, but he actually um, nearly made me vomit last night. He turned up to the volunteers evening and he got up and spoke and he was wearing a jacket. And then at the end of his speech, he took off his jacket and he had a Chiefs jersey on. Oh, bless said, him. Are you kidding me? So he's a bless Chiefs him. fanatic through and through. And I nearly vomited. But hey, one win. Yeah, <laughs> he thinks I've won it already. But anyway, um, 
He's a, he's a good man. He's a good bet. He's a good bet. Like he's, I think he was paying twenty to one odds at TAB to, was to win the New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, twenty to one odds. He'll probably be, you know, maybe six yeah. or sevens now. But yeah, he's a good bet. We need a Kiwi to win it because Michael Hendry was maybe two or three years ago, and he was our last Kiwi to win the New Zealand Open. So we want some Kiwis up there to to lift that trophy. He'll be, he'll be a good bet. I'm trying to remember if Alka won it back in, when he was a lot younger, mate. I'm, I've got a funny feeling he might have. Is that does that ring a bell? Uh, is he? No, see, I don't. I don't, I don't think Alka. No, Alka's never won it. He's never won oh, okay. it. Open. So that's why I think the the big uh, thing for him to come back is try and win the New Zealand Open. He's won plenty over in uh, PGA Champions all, but he's yeah. never won the Open. So I think he wants to get his name on that trophy and uh, and come over and, and do well. He's going really well. Six under today is is good score. So he'll be happy. Very good. Well, we know you get excited when there's lots of people around. We can hear it in your voice. <laughs> so we'll we'll let you go join those festivities since you've got a late tea off. Make sure you make your tea off time tomorrow. I will. Two o'clock. Can't miss that, can you? Some more birdies for the cameras, all right? Possible. Possible. All good, team. Love your work. Love you. Thanks, Az. Good luck this weekend, Israel Dagg down in Queenstown at the New Zealand Open. Uh, tied for 38, top 40, make the cut. Uh, so tomorrow night we will know by 7 o'clock if our mate has made the cut to play Saturday, Sunday, Beave. Yeah, I, I, I like his chances. He's, he seems to be like in a real good confidence. space. Yes, he's in a real good space. And, I mean, he's bounced back from you know, a couple of months ago from the horror from Pegasus. He's, uh, he's feeling good. That's a distant but, memory now, isn't it? It's a distant memory, although I couldn't help but notice he's still dwelling on the fact today, on the holes that he gets uh, shots on, uh, he let himself down because I guess there's so much pressure on the amateurs on the shot holes to actually front up and uh, and carry and, you know, I guess pick up some pick up some birdies and what have you, but obviously when he got some of these ones, he, he fell apart, but uh, no, great that he's in the running and... Uh, Jeez, could you imagine? Could you imagine if Izzy gets a, a top ten finish? He will have some story for us. Oh, there'll be no SCNZ. <laughs> He'll be doing a baz and taking off to the live tour or something. Speaking of which, I downloaded an episode on the way over of the Netflix golf series. Yes. Uh, what's it called? Yeah. Did you watch Sorry, the first episode? I watched the second episode because the first one wouldn't um, wouldn't download for me. What do you think? Um, I'm I'm trying to work out because so the one I watched was all about Brooks Kepier. Oh Kepier. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, for these guys, surely their mental skills coaches are better than what's being dished up because he comes home after a poor round at the Masters, and he's got he's got his mate there, his missus, his mates, him and his missus, and then his own missus, and they're like talking about how terrible he was and. Uh, Oh, I just can't get anything going. I'm so bad at the moment. Blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking to myself, uh, what sports psych journal is this out of? Because this is the weirdest setup to have mid-tournament at the Masters when he was well and truly under the cut cut line, and yet he goes out, he goes out the next day and has an absolute booer. So for a guy that's won four majors, it was a very strange insight into his uh, headspace. I'm also, I don't know, I should have Googled it. I meant to Google it. I can't remember if he's a live golfer or not. Because he said this telling statement um, at one stage where he goes, oh, I would give back every last penny to win another major. He must be. No, but then they asked him right at the end of the episode something about live and he just gives it a wink and a a glow in his eye. And I'm thinking to myself, well, mate, you can't go. This was last year that they followed them though, wasn't it? 
Yes. Yes, but Liv was very much, they were talking to Liv during it. And I thought to myself, we can't go, I would give every last penny back uh, to win another major to be <laughs> turn around and sign with Liv. It's a bit of a contradiction for me. But um, yeah, very interesting. There's a lot of Scheffler too on this one. Um, and he actually won the Masters. So it was quite good timing that uh, he was actually on the show. But um, yeah, Brooks Kepi, very interesting mindset at times. I watched the first episode. I think it had Justin Thomas and yes. his best mate. Who's his best Spieth. mate? And Spieth. Jordan Spieth, yeah, and the relationship. that Those two have literally known each other since they were about eight years old. It's crazy. It's it's really good insight into that tour, isn't it? He has he has gone to live, yep. He has gone. <laughs> of course. And, and for anyone interested in watching the documentary series, it's called Full Swing, and Full it's swing. on Netflix at the moment. It's the only good thing on Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, just all the sporting documentaries yeah. that they're bringing out. It's the only thing that they're putting out. Well, I've waited years for it, and I don't know if it was COVID related, but the next season of Peaky Blinders has just dropped. Oh, oh. season six! I've been waiting for years. We've we've been waiting, and here I am this morning at the airport trying to hurriedly get some stuff on my <laughs> iPad. And who should show up? But the next season. Of Peaky Blinders. Mm. Jeez, they've made me wait for that one. Very interesting. Well, we're getting some texts in about who the rugby Michael Jordan might be. Who do you think it is? Who's the most competitive rugby player you have ever seen out there? Who is on another planet? Who would compare to Michael Jordan after that Charles Barclay story? He played 36 rounds, two rounds of golf, two complete rounds before going out and playing a young pup like it was Game 7 in an NBA final series and just demolishing him. Who would that be in the rugby world? Double eight, double three on the Temper and Bed Post text line or give us a call 0800 150 811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. We're going to take your messages and calls right after this. All thanks to Rotoflex by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Well, we talked about the Michael Jordan of rugby. Beef, you thought it was Conrad Smith with little hints of Maya Nonu in there as well. Uh, but Zinzan Brook continues to get votes. Yeah, well, Can you see it? Can you see why? He certainly didn't lose many games. He was so it's the GOAT and, status. Yeah, I think I've certainly, unless, I mean, some people will have more intimate knowledge of his attitude behind the scenes and uh, but they always talk about the the card schools of that era and that uh, I guess that Auckland crew that used to dominate the All Blacks and, and Auckland back in those days what they had they had the shield for about 15 years they just didn't lose so yeah you can see the uh, the winning mentality or whatever you want to call it uh, certainly oozing through that generation Mark's uh, sent in a nomination uh, Mike Jonah Lomu is the MJ of rugby the game changer, the guy. Yeah, certainly, certainly from that aspect, that's who that's who I would think of. But I think your initial thing earlier on, Chris, was uh, around the the straight out competitive. Oh, nature. the competitive nature. But on another, um, everyone's competitive, right, Beef? You yeah. don't get there if you're not competitive. No, no, no. You have to have a certain a certain edge about you. Um, so, but yeah, obviously, for are you me, competitive, Beef? Not at all. Um, you compete against your kids in the shed that yeah, are under three. Well, well, I know I can win. Um, but Jonah, Jonah, Jonah was something else. He was, he's the reason, I, I still say, like, he transformed rugby. Mm. He he took it from the sort of, you know, Commonwealth game of strong nations, you know, four or five of us, to then making it, a, you know, a somewhat global game. So Jonah, I mean, a lot of people are earning money from rugby these days because of 
what he dished up at that 95 World Cup, and I don't, I don't think that can be understated, really. Who would be your Michael Jordan of rugby, Zinzan Brook, John Olomu, or someone else, double eight, double three on the Temperant Bedpost text line? A couple of messages about coaching as well. The All Blacks coaching thing has not been handled well, but Hanson announced he was retiring before the 2015 World Cup and the 2019 World Cup. This announcement can't come soon enough so we can flush the dunning and move on. Thanks for your thoughts, Nick. Uh, Ken, Kirsten Beef, who's your money on? to coach the All Blacks and do, don't agree how Foster has been treated. You know him, Beaver, must affect the All Blacks. Does it affect the All Blacks? Oh. Karen Reid said no. I don't he, think it does. He told us on the breakdown on Sunday, it doesn't affect the players. And I honestly think, I honestly think it could work in their favour. It could be galvanising because if you believe uh, what we've been told last year, and I think we have to, the players kept them as job. So obviously the players enjoy Foz as a person, which mm. I can understand. He's very much a person's, a people's person. Why doesn't that galvanise them this year? You know, obviously they should be wanting to go out and obviously win a World Cup for themselves first and foremost, which I'm sure they will themselves in the country. But a little bit of that, if they have such love for this coach, then it will galvanise to send him out a winner and suggest, hey, maybe they got it wrong about him, you know. So I, I think it should be any. It should the only thing that comes out of this from a All Blacks this year point of view is positive for me because Fozzie can fully focus 100 percent on that, not trying to save his job at every turn, and the boys can show their love and appreciation that they did last year to keep him his job to then go out and win it for him. Your money is what was asked from Ken. Uh, one or two word answer, Beef. Who was it? Mine's Razor. My, my, my money's yeah. If it was a money issue, I'd go Razor. There you go. Double eight, double three. Send in your thoughts, your Michael Jordan of rugby. And when we come back, a bit of Beaver's world. This is how Beaver sees it. Well, Kirst, as you'd know, travel days are an interesting day. Not only things get thrown at you, which you, which you not quite expect when you're driving to the airport at four o'clock in the morning and there's roadworks, which send you into a bit of disarray as if you're going to be late, but you get to see people's true colours. The going under roped lines to get to the front of the customs queue, the fighting for the middle armrest is still quite extraordinary to me. Uh, one of my all-time favourites today... You do love an raced, elbow, beef. They raced their bags past everyone so they could get to the front of the queue. I think they gained a total of one second improvement. <laughs> ah, yes... Travelling really is one of the great shining lights on people's characters. S-E-N-Z Welcome back to The Run Home on SCNZ with Kirsten Beef. All thanks to Mick Delivery. Great to have you joining us today. And I'm just curious, after your little sermon, Beef, if you were the one elbowing for an armrest <laughs> on the plane, were you no. taking the middle seat and trying to do what you did in South Africa and at my wedding in Queenstown? You've got history. 
No, I was I was thinking about I'm going to have to find myself a physio today because my shoulder was so far out of position to accommodate the said gentleman who was absolutely not just getting the armrest, but it was overflowing oh. into my seat. Um, and, and as far as etiquette goes, you give the guy in the middle the armrest because you've got the outside. You can lean to mm. the outside, be it if the window or the aisle. Mm. So this fella who was sitting on the side of me, he was he was a bit obnoxious. Absolutely appalling. Yeah, and he went and he was actually funny enough. He was actually the one, and he he uh, upset was he a few rushing the other. past with his bags? He rushed pe- past people in the bags, and they're like, and people were like there were a couple of Kiwis. I don't know what nationality this fellow was, but there were a couple of Kiwis uh, let him go past and go. Oh yeah, where you go, mate? And in, in classic uh, dry Kiwi fashion. Um, so uh, he upset a few. A bit of a lulls there. The, the great irony: who beat him through customs? You. Yep, you yep. with a sore shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Me walking along with my shoulder, trying to put it back into place. Trying to put it into place after four hours of it out of uh, out of its socket. Oh, a good uh, few text messages coming in from Jerry. Guys, how about a Muppet of the Day? I win. I was heading south for my dad's birthday. I got to Christchurch Airport to find I'd booked a fly out of Invercargill, hence why I'm still in Christchurch. And my old man has told me he's eaten my share of oysters. Bugger. <laughs> Brilliant. Bugger, Jerry. I'll tell you what, Jerry. I was so so. I had a six o'clock flight this morning, and I don't know what that meant. As far as do you have to be at the airport at three? Do you do you have to be there at four? What does that mean? Does the airport even open that early? Clearly they do because there's flights leaving. But so I was in a mad dash. Obviously, get off the uh, southern motorway to get to the airport. Roadworks everywhere, so I'm wheezing my way through all of the back streets of Manukau trying to find the airport. Get there, got about an hour and a half up my sleeve, panicking, rushing, booking. All the rest of it, get my ticket, get up top. We're on a six o'clock flight. They don't actually pull the big gate up, you know, the gate that you've probably never seen it down, because unless you're there at six o'clock in the morning, they've got a roller gate that actually shuts off the departures. So everyone's just loitering around that sort of uh, convenience store and New Zealand shop outside mm. of uh, customs. Uh, and then there's just this big stampede, and I'm thinking to people, look, guys, I think they realise we've only just been let in. I don't think any plane's going to take off without us. But there's this massive stampede of people with faces pressed up against the uh, roller door to try and get to the customs first. I'm thinking, guys, guys, guys. Oh, this is fascinating. How the mighty have fallen and and the differences uh, compared to when you were the All Blacks and got to go on the lift right up to the main gate and avoid all of this (laughs) carnage and chaos. Now you get to enjoy the people watching like all of us, Beeve. Well, once we got through there, and then obviously well done to the people that run the airport, they have the long lines, which you just keep snaking around. And then, you, as I said, you get these people that are refused to do the 20-metre snake walks. They go underneath the dividers <laughs> and they and they scurry in there and they get their four or five people ahead of you <laughs> to get their bag to go through the, uh, the security checks. It's, um, airport it's a diaries. fascinating watch. Airport diaries airport from Beaver. Diaries. <laughs> uh, keep them coming, Beaver. Uh, and we've got loads of texts in as well. Your Michael Jordan of rugby. Zinzan Brook continues to get nominations. So does his brother, Robin. That one's from Ken. Michael Jones, the GOAT. Uh, MJ, not Michael Jordan. We're talking Michael Jones. Richie McCaw as well. Not only a great rugby player, but the endurance racing has been mentioned uh, with his competitive nature. Who have you got? Who do you think is the most competitive rugby player that matches Michael Jordan's intensity? Double eight, double three on the Temper and Bedpost text line. Coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to Mick Delivery, we've got Sean Maloney standing by from Melbourne to talk super round and super rugby. We whip around the grounds thanks to PGG Wrightson and tell you all you need to know ahead of 
the weekend of sport. We're joined by the Northern Stars mid-quarter, Mila Ruelu Buchanan, ahead of their season opener on Sunday. We've got a $50 TAB bonus bet voucher to give away when we play Drive to Survive. And after six, we chat the NBL final series between the Breakers and Kings with our SEN caller, Tommy Gallup. Mike Anthony as well, Head of High Performance at New Zealand Rugby on this coaching scenario. We'll bring you the best bits at half past six. That's the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. This is The Run Home feature interview. Thanks to McDelivery. Yes, it is, and we're so lucky to be joined by Stan Sports' very own wonderful broadcaster and rugby caller, Sean Maloney from Melbourne, ahead of Super Round. Sean, great to have you back on the programme, and lucky to have all the Super Rugby games this weekend over on your side of the Tasman. What's the vibe like in Melbourne? The vibe is good. The vibe is always good, team. I've spent the week with uh, your colleague, mm-hmm. Joey Wheeler, actually, so I've been showing him around town. We went for a sort of urban surfing Tuesday, yesterday. How was there a board big enough uh, for Joey? It was was more of a boat than anything. (laughs) I mean, this thing was massive. So uh, we did that on Tuesday. Wednesday was out to the Arrow Valley, which is just epic, uh, to Don Porte's winery out there. And then this morning, we're both out at Amy Park catching up with some of the teams who are all set ready to go, as are we. Um, Six games in three days. Mm. How good. Oh, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. Uh, what is the game of the round for you? What's the one that you're targeting that you can't wait to watch? I think Barbie's Blues Sunday yeah. afternoon is probably yeah. going to be the game of the round. But don't count out uh, the Indrua against the Waratahs Saturday night. So I'm looking forward to that one. On Saturday. It'll be awesome. And you both would have seen how well... Uh, the drill win against Moana last yeah. week. The Tars going down to the Brumbies, but showed really good glimpses. And we've got this really promising youngster coming through. At the Tars, who scored on debut last week, 18 years of age, Max Jorgensen. And we get a chance to see him up against, you know, those, uh, those massive Fijian wingers on Saturday. So, oh, it's going to be awesome. On a side issue, Sean, I don't think it's a safe place for an 18-year-old to be going uh, one-on-one with a Fijian drill winger. Um, maybe, <laughs> yeah, no, maybe I, we put I'm him out to pasture for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also probably opting out. But, B, what about last week? So he scores with his second touch at Super Rugby level and runs through uh, both Alan Arlatoa and Rob Valentini. And you know how hard uh, Bobby V hits. Mm. and. So too does Alan. And he maybe got through the two of them to score that first Waratahs try last weekend. So he can handle himself and he'll need to against uh, a draw team that I think will really push the Tars this weekend. Uh, Crusaders Highlanders obviously excited about that. Uh, Reds forced to close out. I reckon the force can potentially upset the Reds on Sunday afternoon after that blues Brumpies game. Talking of the Reds, uh, before we get into the other guys, uh, were they disappointing by your accounts? The fact that you're talking about the force potentially... Uh, beating yeah. them this weekend, haven't got a read on them yet. They, that was a disappointing what, result. Yeah, it was. It really was. And, I mean, it's so early in the season, as you both know, there'll be so much more to come. They're missing a ton of cattle. They're missing a ton of cattle up in the uh, front five as well. So, on the weekend, the Canes brought on... Who they bring on, mate? They brought on uh, Toro Lomax, Amua, Amua. <laughs> uh, Yosef, Karifi... 
like guys who can legit play and have been legit playing for a long time, uh, certainly the Super, and then again at the test level against debutantes. There was just debutantes left yeah. and right on that Reds bench. So I think this week, the Force can potentially tip them up, who won that game last week against the Rebels in one of the strangest Super Rugby games I've ever seen. So, yeah, the potential for a couple of upsets, I reckon, along the weekend. What about these New Zealand teams? Did you manage to watch any of our round one action? And is there any player that you're looking forward to seeing in the flesh in Melbourne? I saw the carnage over there in Dunedin. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously very keen to see that Blues back line yeah. do their thing here in Melbourne. That's got me excited. I'm also very excited, Kay, to see the, uh, the bounce back from the Crusaders this weekend after... Uh, were they seriously held scoreless in that second half against the Chiefs at home last week? Oh, Beef will be able to tell you all about it. Chiefs are winning the title this year. They didn't look close, yeah, mate. Not... They didn't look close. Fair income. That's amazing. So I'm looking forward to seeing how <laughs> that turns around. And especially, I tell you what, I'm following on with great interest. Uh, you're jostling over there now as to who you appoint as your next All Blacks coach. Mm. And I love how it's now been framed as a racing two between uh, Jamie and... Uh, and raises. So that's exciting for us on this side, seeing how you're going to play it over that way for your next boss. Well, let's talk about your boss of the Wallabies because he got a standing ovation last week. Like this homecoming <laughs> parade that they're putting on for him at the Sydney Sevens and then Super Rugby. How long is this going to last, Sean? It was the most bizarre thing. So where we were set up at the SFS, I can't wait to have you um, both over at some stage. So uh, we, Eddie was in the box right next to us, so we shared a, a a glass screen together and I sort of button on to producer Hamish and said oh, the director Hamish rather and said mate grab a shot of Eddie and so he takes a shot of Eddie then the in-screen people put it up instead he put it on the big screen and people honestly they started cheering like it was the most bizarre thing like they were going berserk for him um, so he's well and truly back in he's so he's been so busy keeping an eye on each of his potential Wallabies runners this year. He was even at the Rebels training session this morning out at Amy Park watching him go through that captain's run. So he's uh, well and truly hit it running over here and his trademark work ethic is there for everyone to see and, uh, you know, he's really going to spice things up come that first letters though. Yeah, and that's probably the time that it's... He's going to get an indication of if the Australian public's still going to give him standing <laughs> ovations, or it's all going to go pear shaped from there. <laughs> that's that, mate. That's such a good point. Like he gets a six month honeymoon period because the well, his first game now with you know no inbound tests over here is until that game against the Springboks, which will be an overnight game over there in Pretoria. They could potentially lose that one, and no one will really know because it's in the middle of the night. But um, it'll be the first letters, though. I think will be the the litmus one for him. And, of course, we'll win that by 40 or 50, so I don't think he's got too much to worry about. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, another thing that happened in the crowd, which we were fascinated by, and I guess me being a former 10, was quite jealous of because it certainly oh, never happened to me. had this all the time, Dave. But, but young yeah. Tane Emin there from the Waratahs, yeah. admittedly, he's just lost a game, which, you know, yeah. you, you're always more confident once you've won a game with the ladies. Mm. But he, he's surrounding himself with good people. Well, I mean, what about it? In the uh, yeah, he just gravitated straight towards that car bar area. So, and in the old days, I think, mate, when you would have been at the SFS playing, they used to have what what was called the Bundy Bar in behind that same yes. section of the post. So, yes. Bundy Bar in reference to Bundaberg Run, where people would just blow their heads off, like it was out of control. So now they've uh, rebranded it as the Tar Bar, and then yeah, post game despite going down by six, and he had a uh, he had an okay game. It was. Uh, 
was a tough night for Tame, but yeah, my gosh, he certainly has a type, doesn't he? Like it was like <laughs> it was like a deep dive on his algorithm online. <laughs> It's basically his Tinder profile in the tar bar. Um, okay, spot on, yeah. He had it nailed. Now, Sean, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Beaver is currently sitting at our ECN studio in Melbourne. So uh, what sort of trouble can you get Beaver Hang up to second. this weekend if you are were going to lead him working? astray? What are you doing? Why are he you, calls why it work. Are you working? Uh, I, I'm working. I'm working. I've um, I've actually brought over some clients for our uh, for our grins, our alcohol company, to enjoy the weekend over here. So okay. uh, yes. And where's your uh, and where will your hospitality be located across the three days? Because I have to yep. stop in and say hi. I, I think all I've got I've got some lounge. I'm in a lounge. I, I'm actually apparently I'm actually talking dribble. I was talking some dribble at some point um, up on stage with uh, with Clarky, I think. So I don't know oh, where Greg I'm Clark, doing that. Yeah, the great Gary Clark. Um, yeah. Mate, I'll tell you what, I'll extend this to you and the rest of your crew. If you can make it to the commentary box, bring your crew over and we'll um, we'll give them a little bit of look through. I think we've got Nesbo oh, coming over with, who, I think Mills is here. I think the great, uh, the great man too, <laughs> Mills is here. And, of course, Joey Wheeler, who I've got to tell you, what yes. a find he is. Oh. What a champion. <laughs> he's the MVP of New Zealand. Um, it's, it, I mean, already such a storied career, and we've had a chance to um, go over a few things over the last few days, <laughs> over a few bottles of Cabernet yesterday. Uh, what a champion. I've really enjoyed spending time with uh, with Joey Will. So he's here doing – I think he's doing your job. He's doing sideline stuff and some uh, some co-paneling as well. So it should be good fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And can I just say, back to your – Michael Jordan. Yes. Who would it be of Australia? Um, George Gregan, no yeah. question. Gregan. I've never met yep. a more I've never met a more competitive human being in my life. Like he, you could be playing the dumbest game ever. I played uh, I played rugby golf with him one day on a shoot, and I was just taking a piss, and he went off at me. He pulled me aside. I was playing against I think uh, Morgan Trinoy and Hoylesey, and he goes, "Mate, if you're going to take this seriously, I'll go and find another partner." I go, "Mate, we're playing rugby <laughs> golf." <laughs> And then, and then this is a double tie-in. Like we talk about the ultimate professional in terms of how he prepares for things. Like there is no stone uh, unturned. So we were travelling back from Fiji, and you guys would know um, when you're travelling internationally, if you've got liquids, they need to go into a clear plastic Ziploc bag. We rock up at Nandy Airport, and I had a bunch of liquids, and he goes, "Don't worry, mate, I've got you covered." And he pulls out. A 30-pack of Ziploc bags. <laughs> you need to put my liquids in. Like, what are you doing with these? Because you never know when you might need them, mate. Oh. So with that level of preparation to the dumbest stuff ever when it comes to flying and his competition and the fact that he's a winner uh, time and time again, uh, George Gregan, undoubtedly. Michael Jordan, our equivalent. Very, very good. We love the stories. Thank you for getting us absolutely pumped for Super Round this weekend or kicking off tomorrow. And please lead our beaver stray without making him yeah, turn up on the mate, front I'm page keen, of the paper. I'm, I'm keen as, mate. We're definitely going to have to have a beer at, uh, at some point. I'll even shout. I'll even shout, yeah. He's even got his polo oh, on. He's dressed for the occasion. <laughs> I'm dressed. <laughs> He's ready to go. Yeah. He clocks off in an hour polo. and a half. <laughs>
Yeah, so long, suckers. <laughs> Shorty, thank you so much for your time. Sean Maloney, absolute legend, joining us out of Australia, uh, the voice of rugby in Australia for Stan Sport, World Rugby as well. Great guy. He's been doing some amazing stories with uh, Joey Wheeler th- this week, and we'll see those all on the build-up this weekend. Basically, Sky and Stan Sport have teamed up, so they're combining commentary teams, and they're going to bring you the action of all six games across the weekend. Just brilliant. The George Gregan stories? Yeah, he was the obvious one. Before he mm. said it, I was thinking straight away. Um, just just on the Joey Wheeler aspect yes. uh, with Maloney, just be careful, people. Um, if you're not on social media, I'm, I'm presuming oh. Sky's going to show you yes. a surfing clip. A little um, bit more than you'd like to see. Yeah. If, if you're one of these people that runs a big TV at home, um, <laughs> I suggest um, be careful. turn it off. Turn it off for a while. Uh, just wait for the footy to start because Joey Wheeler has not left much to the imagination with his <laughs> swimwear. And uh, yeah, that's all I'll say. But there is that but, not uh, what you Sean, rock, Beef? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Sean Maloney, good surfer, good surfer. He's a great surfer. Again, yeah. He's not a small man, and I'm surprised he got no. up. And he was getting up easily. Yes, he was. He was getting up easily. Joey, not so dainty. <laughs> Look, I, I, my eyes were transfixed. I wouldn't even know if Joey was standing up on a surfboard or not. <laughs> What colour were his uh, shorts there, Beef? Shorts? Uh, is that what you call them? <laughs> they weren't shorts. They shorts? weren't shorts. I wish they were. <laughs> Oh, too good. Uh, your stories, your Michael Jordan of rugby, New Zealand, Australia, world rugby, who would it be? We've had a lot of nominations. George Gregan uh, is the latest one to be nominated, but who is it for you? Double eight, double three on the Temper and Bed Post text line or 0800 150 Great to have you joining us today. Great to chat as always and hope your Wednesday, actually, it's Thursday. My head is all over the show. Uh, but great to have you joining us today on Thursday. We've been talking about Michael Jordans of rugby. Who would it be for you? Who is the most competitive rugby player that you have ever seen? For Beaver, it was an undercover competitive guy, Conrad Smith. Yep, for those uh, I guess who have played with him and, and been fortunate enough to share a training field with him, uh, certainly not that undercover. It uh, it roared at you, uh, his... Uh, his attention to detail of winning a game, be it absolutely anything on the training field. Mm, well, we've got Nick calling us on the Makita New Zealand phone line. He's got his own idea of who he thinks the Michael Jordan of rugby could be. Nick, welcome into the show. How you going, guys? Well, right, I've only just caught the last few bit of um, the start of this, but I'm picking a lot of people who have said Richie McCaw. Yeah. But my one, prior to him... Who was the next big thing prior to Richie? I'm from down south. Cromfield? Russia. Josh Cromfield. That's it, baby. Mm. Cromfield. Cromfield yeah. for me. Growing up down in Dunedin here, 92, 93s, 95s, magic days of Otago rugby. I mean, that was just magic. Carisbrook. And can you Timu, what? Cromfield, Forster, Pena, Joseph. Some some team as far as NPC level. What about how what Cromfeld and the likes of that generation, especially the sevens, would have put their body through when rucking was still very much allowed? Not only did they put their heads where most people wouldn't put their feet, but the fact that they were going and they're trying to create turnovers and all the clearing out was a thing. But so was rucking, mate. Uh, that's right, hundred percent. And I tell you, a lot of people didn't hang around and. No, the, the, the rock speed. So, the rock speed was a bit quicker, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was good times. But um, going 
gun to the coach, I think it will go to Razor. Yeah. If it doesn't, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to give the guy something for winning all those titles. So he's, he really has to get it. But you know, I don't know. I mean, the way this rugby union is, who knows? But it's really out <laughs> of Joseph and it's yeah. really out of Joseph and Razor. I can really think. But I mean, pity they can't all be in one together. Yeah, well, that is the great shame, isn't it? That we can't form a sort of a super a super panel. And, and I keep harping back to, I guess, around the year of it, I was floating around, and when it was a Hanson Smith, uh, Henry, um, Mike Cron, uh, Mick Byrne, that sort of level, which I'm sure we could construct if we if we put a razor, Jamie Joe, a, a Tony Brown, you know, that, that sort of echelon. Um, but you know, it is what it is. But to be fair, both both Razor and um, Razor and Jamie, from who we think they would have as their um, partners, uh, would form quite formidable uh, panels themselves. Now, four years on from when they first tried to get the job uh, in two nineteen, they've all got a lot more experience. Which uh, you know, who knows? It might be a blessing in disguise that they come this time round. Thank you very much for joining us on the phone, on the Makita New Zealand phone line, Nick. Great to have your call. Crusher. Crusher, another nomination for the Michael Jordan of rugby. Fitzy gets a nomination as well, who, of course, is down at the golf this week, Sean Fitzpatrick. Uh, Razor, really? Oh, this is on the coaching saga. Ken's asking Razor. There's eight better choices going for it. Eight? Well, we named four teams yesterday. I'll need that list. I'll need that list. Thank you, Ken. I'll need the list of eight that you say are better than the guy that's just won the past gazillion super titles. I love uh, that all of you send in all this tidbits of gossip and information that you find out. Like someone's text in, I heard Mark Robinson. He's been over in Japan talking to Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown recently. Brilliant. Keep sending in these little nuggets of gold. Any little bits I, of information that you have, send them through to the show. We love them. Now, now hang on, hang on. I can actually add to that. Oh. I know someone that I know someone that actually flew over on a plane to Japan probably a month and a half ago with Sid, New Zealand rugby CEO. I mean, he could have been going for any reason. Could have been going on to firm up that New Zealand fifteen game. But hey, hey. Now we might be let's investigate. Why did you only just tell us this now, Beef? Oh look, I just it just triggered me. Jeez, <laughs> there might be something in this investigative journalism work for me, actually. Mm, you probably don't need to go to broadcasting school if you're coming with that sort of knowledge. <laughs> Keep it coming though, Beef. Keep it coming. <laughs> Well, the ANZ Netball Premiership gets underway this weekend. The first round pits the Mystic against the Steel on Saturday before the defending champion Pulse play the Magic on Sunday afternoon, followed by the Stars and the Tactics. Joining us to talk all about it is Northern Stars mid-quarter Mila Ruelu-Buchanan. Mila, great to have you back on the programme. You beat the Mystics in a pre-season hit-out last night. That must give the team plenty of confidence. Yes, first of all, thanks for having me on here again. It's um, it's nice to be here and kind of talk about our prep for the for the season on Monday. But um, yeah, obviously played the Mystics yesterday one by one. Um, obviously good confidence for us, but you know, preseason is preseason. Mm. It's um, it's what actually happens in an actual match. So. Um, good prep for us, but looking forward to seeing how we go this year. You've obviously been a part of the Stars outfit for a couple of years now. How are you looking in 2023? Does it feel any different? 
Mm, yeah, look, um, yeah, it's my fifth season with the stars, so um, I've, I've been here for a while, and as my mother reminds me, I'm no longer a young one anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm looking um, looking ahead of the season. Look, we've got a core of us um, still in the team, uh, but we do have um, a massive loss, which yes. is Anna Harrison, yes. um, down that defensive end. So I think it's um, this season it'll be about all of us stepping up and really um, really bringing bringing the same kind of energy that she brought because um, we do have a younger side down that D end, um, so we've got big shoes to fill. And saying that, Anna's helping out uh, coaching, isn't she? Is she just helping the defenders or is she helping everyone in the team? Look, um, I think a lot of us forget in netball, everyone's actually on defence at some stage. Yeah. So she's, um, she's helping us out um, and she comes to our special sessions every fortnight. So we're lucky in the sense that she's still um, involved with our team because she brings so much. Um, so, yeah, we're really taking advantage of her so that we can help to grow our D, our D game. Millie, you talked about obviously the change of teams, which means this preseason's been different anyway. Has it been different from the fact that coming back from the Silver Ferns uh, at the end of last year, is there, is there things now that you, you've got in your head that you want to bring back from the Nolene uh, regime? Yeah, look, I think like being in the Ferns environment, you, you kind of um, naturally you gain a bit of confidence, you know, knowing that you're, you're almost there and that you're in that high performance area. And so, yeah, I think for me individually coming back into this environment and kind of what I mentioned before, having that mindset of knowing that I'm no longer, you know, the young and experienced mm-hmm. one and that I am an experienced player and I bring, you know, that leadership onto the court. So like that actually really helps me to be able to perform um, because I know that I, you know, I need to, to be there for everyone else on the court. So that's definitely helped me in my own individual game. After being in that Ferns environment uh, and you go back into ANZ Premiership, do you get feedback from the Ferns coaches, from Nolene and the likes, telling you what they would like to see? Obviously, everyone's goal this year will be making that World Cup in July. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we actually have every month we do like a little review um, where the selectors for the Silver Ferns and Noles. Awesome. Um, and obviously, Deb's assistant coach, yeah, they'll, they'll give us feedback and they also... We they rate our games and they use these numbers to to see how how you're performing in each individual game. So it can be quite confronting, um, but I guess it's the only way that um, to really learn and, and grow from your game. So yes, they're in contact with us a lot and they'll be coming in to our um, like fortnightly sessions. So yeah, they're, they're very much involved. And and talking uh, about the Northern Stars, it must be good to have your mate Gina Crampton back in New Zealand, uh, mm-hmm. back playing netball, and you'll be able to reconnect that amazing mid-court combo that you've got. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, I love that girl. She, um, <laughs> I have to credit her. In ter- I've got to give credit when credit's due, and I think um, in terms of my own personal development, I think she's been a massive, massive um, factor as to... As to to how I've grown um, over the last couple of seasons. So I feel really lucky that she's chosen to, to, you know, continue playing. And I know her other half over in America. And I know that, um, you know, the challenges that come with long distance, but yeah. she's very much committed to our team and very much to committed to actually winning a season, uh, you know, winning a championship this year. So, yeah, she's a, um, a huge asset to the team. Just on that, there's actually congratulations in order since we've last had you on the programme because you are also engaged and you're doing a long-distance relationship with Duplessis Karifi, of course. So congratulations yeah. from us. But how do you two help each other, both athletes, of course? Can you help each other when it comes to training, when it comes to the mental game, nutrition, all of that? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, you know, Dirk's didn't waste any time. So <laughs> when he found the good one, he'll put a ring on it. <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> look, it, yeah, well, when Dirk's and I got together, look, we never, it's not like we were searching for our feet. It kind of just happened. Yeah. But um, in saying that, be, being with someone who actually understands that internal um, feeling of being an athlete and being in the spotlight every single day and being criticised and, all that sort of stuff has, has actually really helped our relationship and, and us as individuals in terms of being able to, to help. Yeah. Especially in, it's more of the mental side of things, really. I think, um, you know, physically it's sort of up to you to, to seek that training and grow. And um, But I think it's the mental side of things, um, you know, behind closed doors um, is the challenging thing. So I think Dupes and I are really able to help help each other, um, you know, when, it, when, when things get tough. Um, and yeah, so I think we're yeah, really grateful that we both have a real understanding on each other's lives and, and what it is to be an athlete and, and the sacrifices that come with, with being away. And I think we're aware that it's not a forever thing. Yeah. Um, soon I'll be with him every day wishing that we could, um, turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to say that you two are lucky to have each other, but he's definitely lucky to have you, Mela. Um, <laughs> Now, I'm not on TikTok. I'm one of those uh, old people that are only on Instagram and Facebook, but I hear you're massive on it. So um, tell us a little bit about the TikTok videos. What's the best video you've either posted or seen? Because there's lots of tips and all that sort of thing. Or are you more into the singing and dancing? Honestly, I'm not like, I'm a big clown. So like I'm not (laughs) out there to look like I've just come off, you know, the back end of the Rihanna um, sh- halftime show. I'm literally just just being a clown. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fun little app. Like I think it's cool because you you can just be authentically yourself and not feel like you know that you're being judged. Um, and people actually find it funny. So yeah, I'm just out there being a clown, singing, dancing, whether I sound good or not. Although most of the time I sound pretty good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's um it's a, it's a fun little app, and you also learn some great life lessons on there. Very, very cool. Well, Mila, it's so great to get you on. You've got so much charisma and personality, so it's great to be able to showcase that on the run home. And all the very best for your game this weekend against the Tactics, 7pm at home. So if you're in and around Auckland, go and support these amazing women. And Mila, all the best for this season. We'll be able to catch up with you hopefully during the season. Oh, thank you guys so much. Always good to catch up with you. Thanks Take so care. much. You too. Mila Ruelu Buchanan joining us there from the Northern Stars. As we say, the ANZ Netball Premiership kicks off this weekend. So but there'll be plenty of netty fans out there. We know you love it. It's a big year. Not only is it the Rugby World Cup, but it is the Netball World Cup in July in South Africa as well. So all eyes will be on the competition every single week by their coach, Dame Nolene Todua and their selector, Debbie Fuller, as well to see who will make the cut for the World Cup. Keep your messages coming through. Your Michael Jordans of rugby, the Iceman, Michael Jones, the other MJ keeps getting nominated. Who have you got? Who is the Michael Jordan of rugby when it comes to competitive players? Jonah continues to get nominations. Zinzan Brook as well, the most competitive and talented man on the planet, apparently. So who is it for you? Double eight, double three, and get on the phone right now. 0800 150 on the Makita New Zealand phone line because we've got Drive to Survive coming right up. Don't go anywhere. This is Drive to Survive.
Yesterday we're playing for a $50 TAB bonus bet voucher. If you'd like to be in the hunt, give us a bell now, 0800 150811 on the Makita New Zealand phone line. Uh, we've got a number of texts coming in about the GOAT, the Michael Jordan of rugby, the most competitive player, uh, Beaver... Cowboy Shaw, Mark Shaw, keeps getting nominations thick and fast. He would have tracked down anyone on the paddock who was talking slap to him and squared the ledger. <laughs> yes, obviously before my time, but legend, legend carries through generations. And from what I've been told through, through stories handed down is one, one tough hombre. So, no, I can understand why he's getting plenty of votes. It's now time for the great, greatest show on radio worldwide. I think we nominated it. Drive to Survive. There's still space in the pen if you want to come late. Any Harry come lately's. We're playing for 50 tonight from our great mates at the TAB. I do believe that we are connecting with Auckland. And uh, it seems a long way away here from the Melbourne studio, but I do believe we've got Simon there. Simon, how are we? Hey, Beaver. Good, mate. And uh, we'll get started here. I'm, I'm sure I've got you there. I just couldn't quite hear you there, Simon. Yeah, mate. Uh, me, or? <laughs> no, no, I've got you. Every time you talk to me, I think my man Jacob talks to me too, so that's probably why I can't hear you. But anyway, question one, lap one. How old is the youngest player at this year's New Zealand Open. Oh, yeah, it's pretty young. Is it 14? Wow. Bang on, Simon. Go. Pretty young, all I, right. I've heard it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say on SENZ, Simon, if I was to take a stab yeah. in the dark. Question two. Yeah. Lap one here of Simon. How many wickets fell on day one of Australia's third test against India? That'd be 14. 14 is the number of the day. Question three, lap one. BMX legend Sarah Walker is trading in the handlebars to take part in what event? Is it the rally? Like a rally, the Otago rally, is it? Oh, well done. A bit of detail. The Otago Rally, Jake was just about ready to catch you. He had the button pause, but uh, well done. The Otago Rally. Yeah, there's a bit of change of pace there for Sarah Walker, the BMX legend. Question four, lap one. Name the two sporting stars named as finalist for this year's New Zealander of the Year. Um, finalists, is it just two of them? Uh, two, please, yes. Um, was... Uh uh, what's the name? Ruby Tui, one of them, or? Yes, Ruby Tui is one, and the other one's already and a knight. Is it JK? It is the one only Sir JK. Curse, I really do. Without any any piss take here, I really hope Ruby keeps uh, seeing you commission on all these stuffs that she picks you up because your interview made her. Uh, well done. Uh, left to question one. Thanks, Beef. Two, League two side. Grimsby Town beat Southampton in the fifth round of the FA Cup this morning. Name Grimsby's Kiwi goalkeeper. Um, oh, is it Max Crocom? It is Max Crocom. Just in the nick of time, Simon, I'm going to need you to speed up. Jacob's going to get rid of you. Question two, lap two. Name Liam Messam's opponent at this year's Fight for Life. 
Is it Justin Hodges? It is Justin Hodges. Lap two, question three. Simon has gone from woe to go here. Which country is hosting the opening weekend of F1? Uh, I have a stab at Singapore. I'm not sure. Front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. We are going to have to jackpot that. I am taking too long here in Melbourne. Uh, I'm in Melbourne pace. I'm not in my usual snappy New Zealand pace. So we've got an air break coming soon. We're going to be playing for 100 come Monday. That was Drive to Survive. Unlucky, Simon. You went very, very well. So we've been talking about who the potential Michael Jordan of rugby could be. Sean Maloney gave us George Gregan as the most competitive, not just Australian rugby player, but just rugby player in general of all time. Mark says the goat of rugby, the MJ, can only be Michael Jones, closely followed by Kelly. Mm. Yes, well, I think, obviously, we've taken some different routes on this. Mm. Obviously, if you're looking at pure... Um, greatness. Yes, greatness. Then absolutely, the Cullies and the Michael Joneses certainly uh, rear their heads. Obviously, at the start of the day, we we're just talking about the obsessive competitiveness of um, Michael Jordan, and that's how we got stumbled onto a few names that might not necessarily come into the conversation as far as the greatest rugby players of all time, but certainly the most competitive. So, yeah, absolutely, all those names being mentioned, you could have a fair argument for. Michael Jones is the one that uh, I I was alive when he was playing. I couldn't quite appreciate how good he was because by the time I could start to understand rugby curse, he was about two or three major knee operations deep. But prior to that, he was as quick as John Kerwin, who was the all-black winger at the time, and then did all the other stuff that an open-side flanker does. So from actual ability, he was probably like a Michael Jordan on the rugby field from what you hear uh, his ability was just quite phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, the speed of him and then the skill level, just unbelievable. And then Cully obviously certainly can remember his level of performance and the likes of which we've never seen before. And we may never see again. We thought we were getting to see a little bit of it in a certain Will Jordan. Mm. But, unfortunately, that's been paused at the moment. At the moment. Was, Hopefully the just moment. for now. Brent's got a good story. John Olomu is the greatest Michael Jordan. I played touch against him. Amazing fella. Also, he brought me and my ex-girlfriend McDonald's. What a great buzz. Well, he got it for free, didn't it? He had his McDonald's card. Back in the day. Yeah, Back in the day. but still, great story, yeah. Brent. Absolutely great story being bought McDonald's by one of the goats, that's for sure. Keep your messages coming in. Who you think the Michael Jordan of rugby is? Plus, we've got a lot of All Blacks coaching messages in. We'll read those right after News and Sports. Johnny Mac, and there's some new names in the mix. Jamie, a good text from Jamie B. Guys, great show. I reckon they're moving to sign the new All Blacks coach before Jamie Joseph recommits to Japan. He's done amazing things with them. He certainly has. Uh, the World Cup 
the World Cup's Japan shining light. That's some four years ago. I certainly wouldn't. I was certainly wouldn't be against the Jamie Joseph Tony Brown combination being the All Black coach. I think it's, it's well deserved, well earned. But I wouldn't get too carried away with the Japanese story. I really wouldn't. Um, yep, they were very good at their own home World Cup against an average Scotland and an average Ireland. But I certainly, I, as, but in saying that, in the same breath, if they were to get the All Blacks job, then fair play to them. They've got the experience. They've done. They've done the hard yards, and, they, and I dare say they deserve it, and they do a great job. But I just wouldn't buy into. They've taken a real minnow to be a superpower. Japan's not a superpower. Let's let's not let's not kid ourselves here. They had a very good World Cup. You look at the results since they ran France close in Tokyo. Uh, actually, ran the All Blacks quite close too. But but they're still they're still not knocking over big teams regularly. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a bit circumspect on how much great work they've done with Japan. They've been they've taken Japan level up, but You'd hardly say that going to this World Cup, Japan's certainties to be at the quarterfinals. In fact, I can't remember what pool they're in, but I'd say they'd be unlikely to get out of pool play. Uh, question uh, and a text message. Is there any gossip on Joe Schmidt for the coaching role? Has he expressed interest in recent times? Well, look, he may have. He may have expressed more interest in the last few months than he had uh, a year ago when we were told he didn't want to coach. He was coming back to New Zealand for family reasons. And the way Joe Schmidt's operated since he's been back in New Zealand, I dare say what's portrayed in public and what's the reality are two different things. So obviously we got told that, yeah, not, not really interested in coaching, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden he's on the grass for 12 months of a year with two different teams. So he could well have told New Zealand Rugby Union – Consider me. I mean, um, he's the and, king in all of this, isn't he? If it wasn't for Joe Schmidt becoming a selector and on-field coach and Jason Ryan coming in, Ian Foster wouldn't have his job. He came in to save Ian Foster, didn't he? That's why he was made an on-field coach. He was He was, He was. was in the setup prior to the Irish series, but yes. He was a selector very, but didn't come in until after Ireland. He didn't want to select against his old... He's, he's the kingmaker in all of this. He was last time round. I I don't know if he carries the same weight this time around. He may do, but he certainly was the kingmaker in that mid-season, mid-week uh, job, gone, but it's not gone, but it's back to between Fozzie and Razor between South African Test 1 and 2 this year. So he was definitely the kingmaker then. Will he have the same hold over New Zealand rugby or, or same power over New Zealand rugby this time around? I'm not sure. Does Razor Robinson get the job and then get told you have to take certain people? That is another rumour doing the rounds. Knowing from what, I don't know either of them well, but from what you hear, both of Razor and both of Jamie Joseph, not two characters that I would imagine would take too kindly to being told. Well, has any former All Blacks coach ever ever been told or have they always been able to pick? They've They've always always picked their own teams. They've always picked. Well, actually, no, in saying that, I think, and people with better memories than me, I think the infamous... 91 World Cup that went pear shape. I think Grizz Wiley and John Hart were a were a married a marriage that was forced. Um, but apart from that, I can't think of anything else where guys were forced to have their assistance. It just doesn't bode well because unless you pick your assistance, what's the trust level? You know, I, I think it, I think by the time you get to be an All Black coach, you have the right and mm-hmm. you deserve the right to be able to pick who your mates are because. At the end of the day, you've got to trust them and know that they're not just trying to knife you to get the job themselves. Okay. And, um, 
that happens in, in professional sport. Well, it does. We, we know this. It does. We know this. There's knifing in the back. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're talking about teams, coaching teams, here are some coaching teams to consider. Joe Schmidt, head coach. Vern Cotter, head coach. Jamie Joseph, head coach. Uh, Crowley? Leo Crowley? Karen. Karen Crowley. Karen Crowley. Yep. Uh, Dave Rennie. But pretty sure he's with the Blues next year. Robbie Deans, another one. And yes. John Mitchell. And there's one other that's in the New Zealand system that goes by the name of Mark Hammett, who also has overseas coaching experience. How is this for a team? Here's more messages coming through. Yep. What would you think of this coaching group? Joe Schmidt, John Mitchell, Kieran Crowley. Yeah, it's powerful. Oh, two names there that I'd love to see involved again. Probably never happened. But uh, John Mitchell and Robbie Deans, with all that experience, with all that success, I think they'd be a great addition to these younger, younger groups, having those two um, sort of being cast aside a little bit. Or, well, and maybe they don't want anything to do with New Zealand rugby. They got cast aside themselves in pretty unsavoury circumstances. But like Robbie Deans has just been hanging out in Japan for the last how many years um, doing wonders with his Panasonic team. When you looked around, some of these groups could really benefit from having a, a Robbie as a as an assistant slash mentor, you know, and, and much the way that Wayne Smith has hounded out many a coach in the last sort of uh, time since he left the All Blacks full-time. Well, we'll get back to this, but our next guest is on the line. Coming up on the Maker's Menu, thanks to McDelivery, we've got Tommy Gallup standing by to talk about the NBL final series coming up. Uh, we whip around the grounds thanks to PGG Rights and Turf and tell you what's good to watch this weekend. And Head of High Performance at New Zealand Rugby, Mike Anthony, spoke to Smithy this morning. We've got the best bits for you after 6.30. Plus, we'll get back to the text machine as well. So if you've got some thoughts on the All Blacks coaching saga or who the Michael Jordan of World Rugby is or has been in the past. Double eight, double three is the number to text through. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. But starting tomorrow, it all goes down. The NBL final series between our Breakers and the Sydney Kings. A five-game series. The Kings, of course, have home court advantage. And joining us to talk about it as a man calling the game tomorrow. He's our SEN NBL caller. He played 11 seasons across three different NBL teams. We're so lucky to have him on the program. Tommy Gallup. Tommy, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we understand you're working, so we'll try and keep it brief. But how excited are you to get this series? underway tomorrow oh yes terrific um terrific terrific vibe around town particularly in basketball circles it's just the, the prospect of going back to back in sydney uh you know i personally was around for some lean years and um now it's, it's getting pretty fruitful and uh you know it's good for the kings to to be the talk of the town again and and um just to be fielding a great side year after year. Now, it's so great to get an Australian perspective because quite often we get a New Zealand perspective, which may be a little bit biased in the breakers' favour, but what is the Sydney Kings' biggest threat? What do we need to look out for tomorrow night? Look, I actually think it's the depth of the side. I think um, if you were to probably look at the starting fives, I I might actually even give the edge to New Zealand. Uh, But I think if you're looking at a five-game series, um, uh, that's where the Kings might have the opportunity to... You know, probably just have that uh, that staying power over a five game series, being able to go into their bench a little bit deeper than the Kings, uh, than the Breakers rather. Um, but yeah, like I mean, finals basketball is an interesting one. You know, it, it, there could can always be you know twists and turns over the course of a series. So 
unsure how it will play out, and I actually think it could go either way, but that would probably be the advantage for the Kings. Tommy, talk to us about how the Kings have handled what feels like an eternity of a break. Obviously, the international window has sort of put a bit of a, a pause, but added to the intrigue and the hype and building up to the actual grand final. We've heard from the breakers coach. He, he talked to, well, he used some interesting words that I won't repeat, but he's, he's just, just trying to hold the boys back, uh, waiting, for the, waiting for the finals to start. What about the Kings? How's the big break treated them? Look, I imagine they'd be chomping the bit as well. Um, you know, it's a lot of basketball that they're also watching. You know, they're watching the Boomers play in these these qualifiers, and a, a bunch of them probably could, you know, put their their claim in that they could be involved in those games. So they're probably watching those games and really, really keen to play. Um, give them some much needed rest, much like the Breakers. But you know, I, I think in terms of what the Kings have actually been doing, it looks like uh, you know a few members of the Kings have been spending a fair bit of time on the internet um, <laughs> and then talking a bit of smack and um, getting involved with the. The Perth fans, funnily enough, who actually aren't involved in the final series. But, yeah, look, I mean, it's, um, <laughs> it looks like both teams will be well-rested and, and really keen to get out there. I, I, I anticipate some nervous energy in Game 1, that's for sure. What worked for the Breakers uh, last time they played the Kings and beat them? Will McDowell-White. And mm. I, I think with Will, it's, um, you know, he's a tr- tremendous player, uh, one of the most – my – most entertaining players to watch in the NBL, mm. um, but it's sometimes with Will, when he's surrounded by these, um, you know, the the, uh, the Browns and and the Pardons and all these other great players that he does have, he, he can look to defer a little bit. Uh, where in that game, the, the Breakers were a little bit light on a few of those stars. Uh, Brown in particular wasn't playing, and from memory, Liapa was out as well. Uh, and it sort of put uh, Will in a position where he had to take a few more risks and. Those risks for Will, you know, those floaters in the lane, but just the usage of the pick and roll in the in the middle corridor of the court, he's probably best in the league at that, or at least top five. So I think when we when we saw that game, the the, the Kings actually had no answer for him. Um, so that he was probably for mine the the star of the show, and and he was the the, the one part of the piece of the puzzle for the Breakers that night. The Kings really didn't have an answer for. Now, Tommy, you talked about the the wonderful thing that it is now that the Sydney Kings are now the talk of a town again. Going into the final series, what are some other of the big storylines around all of this that we, we may not be aware of just yet? Oh, not, not, not aware of it. I guess probably the shooting of Vasiljevic this year is, is worth, worthy of note, you know, in a conversation like this ahead of a final series. He has been kept really quiet this year. Um, you know, he's shooting probably, in, you know, you throw the college stats in there as well from a good career in my uh, University of Miami. This has probably been his leanest percentage season from three. And uh, opposition teams have been really dialed into him. Um, look, it, it's still something that hasn't really hurt the Kings. They're still uh, top of the table or that sort of thing. But, um, uh, you know, I'd just be interested about his mentality going into the series. I know he's a shoot first player and he, and he should be. He's fantastic at that. But he, he hasn't had a strong year from uh, behind the behind the three point line. But at the same time, he's also capable of hitting ten threes in a game, which he did once this season. So um, that's probably a little bit of a storyline. Uh, I think the MVP uh, conversation that you know, like people saying that maybe Xavier wasn't a worthy recipient. Uh, I personally don't feel that way. I think he's a tremendous player. Um, you know, him trying to put a put a stamp on the fact that he did win that award and that he's a worthy winner and trying to be the best player on the court throughout the five games. And then probably against someone like, you know, they're not going to match up directly, but Brown, you know, feeling like he's one of the best players in the league too mm. and, and, and taking it to him. So probably a matchup of stars there plus the, 
the shooting of Vasilievich is something that I find quite interesting at the moment. Well, you've got us absolutely pumped. Tommy, thank you so, so much for coming on the program and talking up the NBR final series, and we can't wait to hear you on the call. No worries. All the best. Thank you so much. Tommy Gallup joining us there out of Australia. He was part of the Sydney Kings who are taking on the Breakers in the final series starting tomorrow night. We've got live commentary here on SENZ as well. So you can listen live on radio or on the app. And don't forget the NRL season starts tonight. Warriors kicking off against the Knights tomorrow. It's all going down, Pete. It is all on. There is so much sport around. (laughs) Geez, you've crept up on me there. Who's the game tonight? Is that Power? Eels Storm. Eel Storm, Storm famously never lose game, game one. one. Mm. Mm. What else is happening on that text machine? Jesus, oh yes, no, we've got me. more texts. You can't see them, but I'll read them to you. Okay, please. What's the fascination with Tony Brown? He's a good coach, but everyone talks like he's the great asset. Arguably, was very disappointing for the Highlanders last year, in my opinion. Thoughts, please. Yeah, my thoughts on that one is um, maybe Tony. Brown, uh, Brownie, might not be a head coach. He probably, and to be fair, he, didn't he, want probably, it. Got, he probably got thrusted into that He didn't that want that, he said. Um, played on his heartstrings mm. of being the proud Southern man and the, and the Highlander, where he has excelled, I believe, as, as an assistant, coming up with plays, coming up with attack, always keeping people guessing from a, an attack-minded point of view. Um, so in that role, I think he's been very, very good, but... Yeah, I wouldn't judge him too much on the head coach role. I mean, many a head coach. I mean, Wayne Smith famously got sacked as the all-black head coach, but yet is now regarded as the greatest rugby mind that we've ever had. So how do you how do you say someone's not a head coach and then not a very good coach? Uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't add up for me. So now, from what I know and have heard around the traps from people that you respect, Brownie as an assistant coach is uh, is as good as they come. Well, on Wayne Smith, someone's text in. Wayne Smith, Tony Gilbert, forced to be head coaches of the All Blacks together. Yeah, was that a, was that a marriage forced upon them? I remember the time when they were when they were coaching together. Uh, Tony Gilbert was having she probably having a wonderful run with the Highlanders, who probably it was probably when Tony Brown was at ten for them, and uh, and Wayne Smith was uh, was head coach there. So, yeah, that's uh, that's another incident that we uh, they were forced to to marry up. Um, Back in the day, because a lot of it was geography, they uh, it was almost like we had to have a bit of a balance because I guess outside of the country, it was all you know, oh, it's Auckland dominated this and that because that's where the, the power of the players were. And uh, now, I guess the same could be said about I guess the Canterbury regime from the last probably decade or so. But no, I think in the amateur area, they had to be probably a little bit more. Um, how do you say, I mean, political as far as making everyone got a vote from different parts of the country and all the rest of it. But no, I think now we're, we're long past that. So I just don't like the thought of whoever this next all that coach is getting told, oh, you have to have this guy's your no. assistant. And, uh, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, from what I'm hearing, it's possibly the reality. Would so, you take it if that's the option? Or would oh, you walk geez, away? you'd be torn. Geez, you'd be torn. Um, every part of your... Fibre would be saying, nah, no, stick it. But then every part of you is like, well, I've always wanted to be your back coach. Mm. You know, and that's what these guys have been working towards. So what do they do being forced to possibly take assistance that they don't want? Um, it'd be a big mistake from the general rugby union if they went down that route. And I worry that people that they make makes decisions. I mean, I think we're going to hear from, from Mike Anthony soon, but yes. he, he makes a lot of decisions around the coaching and 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 obviously – 
in his eyes recognises who he thinks is a good coach and pushes them towards jobs and stuff. And I wonder if, you know, guys like that for their role have to do things like, oh, well, he'll be a good assistant for the All Blacks, you know? And, and I just worry that that would be how it unfolds where, hey, if we give it to Jamie, if we give it to Ray, whoever you give it to, just let them go their own course and trust them because you're trusting them with the the prize job that is the head coach of the All Blacks. Well, let them let them pick who they want to work with, you know. Well, babe, you're going to be forced to uh, defend yourself now because here's another message. Sorry, babe. John yes. Mitchell, successful. Hasn't he been sacked from every coaching job he's ever had? Uh, probably, but he was 80. I think he had the highest win record of an All Black coach up until that semi-final loss. He coached you... Coach in your younger Waikata. days, isn't he? Yeah. Just one year. Impressed the absolute socks off me. I mean, when you're young, you're a lot more impressionable mm. um, and you're not so cynical. Um, but really, really impressed me. Yep, he got run out of he got run out of the force. He walked out of his job. He did that with Eddie um, in England. He, Eddie he wanted, wanted to watch go, his son. Eddie wanted, didn't want him to go watch um, Daryl score 100 up the road. So that was the end of that relationship. But he certainly wasn't sacked. I think he walked on that one and he did a wonderful job with England. Um, so yeah, I mean, Jesus, there's not many rugby coaches running around to be fair, that haven't been sacked and look at Eddie, Eddie's walking around Australia like some sort of messiah. Well, only two months ago he was sacked. So, um, no, John Mitchell, I think is an, in an echelon of coach where I think yeah, you can certainly trust him and he's that level of coach that if he, I'm not saying he's the head coach of the All Blacks, no way, but I'm saying give him a little portfolio and he will do the most thorough job you could imagine around that. I mean, look what he did for England in that World Cup. He was in charge of their defence. He zeroed in on the defence and let's not beat around the bush. The English defence won them that World Cup semi-final in Tokyo. So I, I, I wouldn't be, I would certainly be more than okay with Mitch getting a, getting a start there. He won't. Like, I'm only, we're only spitballing here. He's no chance probably of, of being involved in, a, in an all-black setup again. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't be putting a line for his uh, ability, that's for sure. Uh, Nick said, half the All Blacks will be retiring from international footy after the World Cup too, so I think Fozzie and co need to stop being so sensitive and just concentrate on this year and say the coaching jobs are a four-year thing. Yeah, and, and they used to be. They used to be very much, if you don't win the World Cup, you're gone anyway. Mm. Um, it was, I think it was only Ted, was probably the only coach who's ever survived Losing. a a losing World Cup exit, and that was a dramatic, that was a quarter-final exit that he actually survived. Um, so so that's interesting. Fascinating. Sammy Kane came out quite strong. Saying they shouldn't about, have done it. So yeah, boys, yeah, I don't know about that. I think they just got to move on now and uh, and get on board because just zero in on winning it. But, I mean, Sammy Kane looks very focused. He played brilliantly last week and certainly put to bed any doubters uh, that sort of grew over summer. Um, about where he will be sitting in the in this World Cup uh, cycle, and and I and I get and I guess with all of what's happened in the last week, I'm convinced. If I was never in doubt myself, but for those that had their doubts, I can almost assure you, I would think he'll be the captain that goes to Paris too, Kirst. Of course he will be. Put your money on it. Mm. Put your money yeah. on it. Uh, right, well, if you've got any more messages, send them through our way, double eight, double three on the Temperin Bedpost text line. Otherwise, we're going to whip around the grounds, all thanks to PGG Rights and Turf, very shortly. 
This is The Run Home, all thanks to Mick Delivery. Great to have you joining us. Uh, great for your messages as well. Uh, we'll get to the text line, but we need to whip around the grounds, all thanks to PGG Wrightskin, Juriscape Lawn Seed from PGG Wrightskin or Fruit Fed Stores. This is going to be a combination of what to watch this weekend and our super rugby tips. Let's whip around super Ooh. rugby, super round beef. I'm one, one up, by the way. I am one up. Crusaders Highlanders, 8pm on Friday night, tomorrow night. Highlanders, a number of players out. So too the Crusaders. Who have you got? Crusaders for me. I'll I'll go Crusaders too. Um, Thanks, Beef. Uh, Later that night, 10pm, 10.10 to be exact, the Melbourne Rebels at home to the Mighty Hurricanes. Hurricanes. The Hurricanes for me too. Uh, oh, on this s- different. Saturday night, 7pm, Moana Pacifica against <laughs> the Chiefs that are sitting pretty after a big win over the Crusaders. Surely you'd go Moana for this one, Beef. Here pickle, here tanifa, the Chiefs for me. Thank you very much. I'll take the Chiefs too. <laughs> 9.30, the Fijian Drua against the Waratahs. This is where things get spicy. Mm. I think there could be an upset on the cards. Okay. But I'm going the Waratahs. <laughs> Gutless. But if I was at the TAB, Fiji, oh. point start. Oh. Are you, have you serious? Got? Are you serious you're not going to go out on a limb after your speech on Monday? Do you want to go out on a limb? I'm, I'm playing what? to win, Beef. I'll go out on a limb. I'm taking the drawer. Okay, good on you. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> Note that down. Beef has the drawer. I'll be 2-0 uh, up next week. Uh, 4 p.m. Sunday, we've got Sunday afternoon football, uh, Blues Brumbies. Beaver won't be feeling very well by this uh, stage of the weekend, <laughs> but he'll be forced to watch a good old-fashioned uh, dust-up. Blues beating the Brumbies for me, Beef. Mm. You've been saying Brumbies all week. They're at four dollars forty. Put your money where your mouth is, beef. <laughs> Coming from old Waratah's girl over there, uh, I'll stick with the Blues just to cover my backside with You've you. You said to be the fair. Brumbies. I'm probably warning the TAB. I probably will. Okay, but, but you're going to go Blues this you. time around. Uh, yes. Six thirty Sunday evening, just in time for a roast dinner. Force v Reds. I'm, gonna, I'm going I'm the gonna Reds. Go on a limb. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a gambler. I don't, okay. I live on the edge. Uh, force, force for me. Force for you, reds for me. We've got three different. I'm going Waratahs, you're going Drua, and no, you're going Moana, I'm going Chiefs. <laughs> Nothing would surprise me the way you run your tipping competitions. Nothing would surprise me. That is Around the Grounds this week. All thanks to PGG Rights and Turf. Ask about Juriscape Lawn Seed from your local PGG Rights and or Fruit Fed stores. Of course, uh, other things to watch this weekend. The ANZ Netball Premiership. The NRL as well. Any tips for us in the NRL? Early doors, Beef? Oh, I mean, it's as brave as you're tipping, but Melbourne Storm, they don't lose an opener. So I'm probably, I'd, I'd be getting on them tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. When we come back, we are going to hear from New Zealand Rugby's Head of High Performance, Mike Anthony. Well, before we get to Mike Anthony and his interview that he did with Ian Smith, there's some more text, Beef. John Mitchell is in New Zealand and uh, we've got a listener who's got it on good authority that he's meeting with New Zealand rugby. Don't write him <laughs> off as an assistant coach. Jeepers. How, how, how do we get these scoops? Oh, these great scoops. scoops. Thank you very much. We really? love them.
I mean, to be fair, I mean, our, our listeners could be just joshing us and uh, just ring up and go, oh, I heard it from my neighbour who walks my cousin's dog that this is happening. But you never know. You just never know, do you? Uh, Cookie, how good could Razor head coach and a Dave Rennie assistant be, Beaver? You need a yin and a yang sometimes to bring a difference. Oh, I mean, there's no doubt I'd love to see Dave Rennie involved. Absolutely love to see him involved. Uh, deserving, wonderful coach. Is this why you haven't retired yet, Beef? International experience, which this rugby union harp is on about for some reason. Um, so why not? Why not have Rennie? Rennie is one of the great rugby minds of this country, of the modern generation. So why not have him involved? Mm, well, let's hear from the head of high performance at New Zealand Rugby on the coaching scenario going down at the moment. Mike Anthony spoke to Smithy about working with the new All Blacks coach after the World Cup and how they're preparing the All Blacks for this tournament coming in less than six months' time. Firstly, we, we to give you a bit of insight, We've got approximately 40 players who have played for the ABs in 22, either already contracted or projected to be contracted. So I know we always look at, and particularly the names I mentioned with the Centurions and a key part of the spine of the team, it's you know, they're, they're the guys we focus on. Um, so there, there are a, a significant number either locked in or in the process of doing so. We're always working on how we build depth. Uh, you know, you saw the AB15 program, and we've just announced again that we've got uh, two matches in Japan uh, in July coming up. That's an avenue for developing that next tier of talent, compliments to Māori All Blacks, who, you know, we will uh, get it, um, playing again next year alongside the AB15 um, Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, obviously, we saw on the weekend the quality of some of our players in there. So we think we've got. Um, both within our national programs domestically with Super Rugby Pacific and NPC. We've got a great pathway to the All Blacks. Then underneath that, I mentioned the, the under-20s, and for us, that's always been our flagship age group program. Um, you know, I know it cops it a bit at times when we don't go and win World Cups, which are highly competitive, but we base the success on that, of that program on our conversion rate through to Super Rugby. Now, that's not to say... You know, any team of black wants to go away and win a tournament, we do our best to do that. But the way the program's structured, it's very much about keeping the net wide. We have 50-odd players uh, in the mix. We do a lot of development over a six-month period, and then they go to a pinnacle event. You know, we don't have a Six Nations or anything like that. This year, we've got a couple of tests against Aussie, and then they'll go. So, you know, you look at conversion rates there. Between 15 and 19, we had 85% through the Super Rugby. Uh, the other thing we've recently done is we've we've got now national development contracts. So the, the goal there, that's with our best under-20 talent, and we want to accelerate their development. So they're immersed in the Super Rugby environments full-time in the pre-season, and that carries on through until uh, through the competition. And 16, we've just kicked that off last year, and that 16 leads that in. 16 of the 23 from that group are already fully contracted or being used as replacement players. And then the final one, uh, I think somebody always seem to touch on, given they're, they're going really well at the moment, you know, back-to-back tournaments. The AB7s is far more integrated uh, pathway now for us, particularly with our young talent. So if you look at Caleb Clark, felt it wasn't going well form-wise, went in, had, had a good run with sevens, went back out, played well and, and made the All Blacks. We've got Caleb Tungana, who was with the Sevens and gone back to the Blues. 
Young Roderick Solo, been in fantastic form. Peyton Spencer, great schoolboy talent, and Xavier Tito Harris is in there as well. So, you know, we've got a number of avenues now where we can, you know, develop that talent and, and have it ready. And then it's just giving them exposure. And that's where AP15 was important because we just need to get those guys playing against different playing styles, touring, and, and getting used to that exposure at international level. Mm, clearly very interesting, Beef. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Obviously, I don't know. Sometimes you, you wonder if it's uh, too much, too much um, theories going around at times, you know, and just sometimes I wonder if it even muddies the water. And, you know, you when you listen to them, you wonder if they try and make it harder than what it needs to be. Um, but... You know, there's obviously some big name players who are off after seas, uh, after World Cup, and uh, Mike talked about uh, how New Zealand rugby uh, goes about retaining them. I think our guys have done it. Our contracting guys have done a fantastic job at uh, being able to retain some of the players we have because of market forces, and, and I think the players know that they're well supported here. And in my view, uh, you know, they get the both best support from a coaching perspective to grow technically and tactically so they know the merits there but you look at that group who are going and look they're tough to replace we've got a number of centurions they've had an outstanding career and at the right time we'll acknowledge that hopefully after we lift the world cup and uh so that's going to happen we've we've seen it in every world cup cycle you know back in 15 we had 12 departures likes of dan and richie kevi mialamu Ma, Conrad, Tony Woodcock. So you, they just, it gets to a point where these guys will make a decision around uh, either lifestyle, uh, sometimes it's, it's dollars, but it's, you know, they, they realise that they've got a certain shelf life for, in the game and, and uh, they want to experience as much as they can. So, yeah, look, I, I certainly, uh, it, it's going to continue to happen where people choose to change things up a little bit like anyone does in a job. Um, and I think, you know, for a lot of those guys that are leaving, you know, you look at Brody and Aaron Smith, Colsey, etc. fantastic careers. They've done a wonderful job for their club and for the All Blacks and enhance the jersey. So, you know, a great opportunity for them to, to bow out in style, hopefully. Mm. This is Mike Anthony, the head of high performance from New Zealand Rugby on Ian Smith this morning. We're giving you the best bits, but if you want to go back and listen to the full interview, you absolutely can do that on our ECNZ app or anywhere that you find your good podcast. You can go listen to anything that any of the shows do throughout the day. But let's hear from Mike on the future of the women's game and building success after the Black Ferns Rugby World Cup glory. When you think about where they came from and, and uh, the old master, alongside a couple of other old fellas, went in there and, and did a fantastic job. And, and just, I think, the way the country embraced it uh, and what had been a pretty challenging time for rugby was, was fantastic. So for us now, it's about leveraging off that 100%. You know, look, our Black Friend Sevens have been the flagship for a long time uh, in, in succeeding, you know, gold medal and so on. Black Friends have won multiple World Cups. So now's the time for us to, to uh, make sure that we build a program and a pathway. So uh, we, alongside me now, Hannah Porter, so my role is now focused in the men's space and Hannah will, will focus on the, the women's space uh, and the high performance, which is great. 
and we're in the process of uh, gone to market around uh, some roles to make sure we've got the support we need. Obviously, Bumps has been appointed to, to Black Ferns, so um, we start to see uh, that program continue to grow. So, look, it's really exciting, Smithy, in the, the women's space. We, we want to work really hard on growing the numbers. Uh, and again, those, those opportunities, whether it be sevens and fifteens, is, is pretty exciting. But yeah, there's, there's huge potential in, in where the program can go to. Um, you know, there's uh, the, the, from a competition structure, Opiki. We know that you know we've made a start, but we've heard loud and clear from players and those involved that what more can we do around that? So yeah, look, there's there's plenty to do in that space, and and I I, I just think this feeling for our women's game here is massive. Yeah, fascinating listening to all of that, isn't it, Curtis? Obviously, laid out laid out pathways and, and platforms there for the women's game, and uh, certainly right. I mean, they've got to capitalise where they are right now. And uh, the other thing that was fascinating from uh, Mike Anthony, uh, high performance New Zealand rugby union officer, and his talk with Smithy this morning was uh, how young players these days choose. And uh, both women and female choose between the sevens and the fifteens, or, or even the sports themselves. Here's what he had to say. Definitely not. I, I think, Smitty, we've shown that we're not an early specialisation sport. And, and I'll go broader than rugby here. You look at Peyton, uh, great cricketer, uh, and we've had a number of guys like that. Geordie as well. We we certainly don't put pressure on kids to that you've got to focus in on rugby. We, we want them to. We think the broader experience across sports is really beneficial for our guys and want them to have a love for the game uh, and, and grow that. So that's the first part. And from a 7s v 15s, definitely not. We, you know, with Caleb Tangata, for example, we worked, uh, you know, we've got an MOU with the Blues with 7s and we've got Shay Clark and Caleb Tangata uh, and now some of these other boys coming in and we will work so that the player can transition between the two, get a Put in around 15, so some of those young guys will you may see get an opportunity to play 20s uh, this year at the World Cup, and then may transition back in if good enough. Will go to the Olympics, and then they they will jump back into 15. So, look, we just think for a lot of those guys, they're not super rugby ready. You know, the 15s uh, intensity, physicality uh, is pretty tough, and we certainly don't want to uh, ruin them. But you put them into a full-time environment like sevens. Clark's done a fantastic job there, uh, Clark and the team, and uh, you know the environment's great, uh, fully immersed, training alongside some good pros like Scott Curry, Timmy Mickelson, etc. And the, the, the accelerate their development, the growth you see in them around individual skill sets is fantastic. And then it's just how we make sure we transition them really comfortably back into 15s. So the, the collaboration there now and the integration between the two is. Is really strong. I think you know, as a pathway, it's been really positive for us alongside the national development contracts for our young talent. That is Mike Anthony on Ian Smith's show this morning, Mornings with Ian Smith, and he is the head of high performance for the men's program, as we have heard. If you want to listen back to that full interview, go and check out everywhere you get your podcasts from on SCNZ, Spotify, Apple, or our SENZ app. 
For freight solutions including customs clearance, experience the detailed level of service that is Vertical Logistics. Visit verticallogistics.co.nz. Trying to choose new flooring, window furnishings or rugs for your home? Choices Flooring's Broomview makes it easy to find the look you've been searching for. Whatever the space or your flooring needs, simply take a photo of the area in your home and select your flooring styles, window furnishings or rugs from the thousands of colours, styles and texture options. Using Choices Flooring's Room View, you can see your selections right in your own home. Then send your favourites to your local Choices Flooring store to book a free measuring quote. You should have everything you need to fill out the 2023 census. You can fill out your forms now either online or on paper. Check you have your census pack. Get help, census forms or language support at www.census.govt.nz or call 0800 Census. That's 0800 236 787. All of us count. Tatau, tatau. Life is a journey. Doesn't matter if you're catching snapper in the Bay of Islands, jet skiing in Lake Taupo, or doing kickboxing at your local gym. Every step is an adventure. Whatever your mission is, Gal want to be a part of it. They're passionate about getting Kiwis the best fuel price with their famous discount days. Get discount day alerts at gal.nz and never miss one again. Gal, fuel your mission. Proud sponsor of Afternoons with Staffy. What could possibly be better than starting your day, springing out of bed to the dulcet tones of Kempi and Izzy's hysterical laughter from 6am every weekday? Then it's the sturdy and scientific sermons delivered by the doyen of New Zealand sport, Ian Smith from Nine. By then, if you need a debrief, Staff is there for you from midday to talk it all out. And if you want to circle back to some of that hysterical and mad laughter to relieve the drive time traffic, Beeve, Kirst and Kim have all the gags four till seven on the run home. SENZ, we're Kiwi for sport. SENZ, it's Kiwi for sport. Call anytime, 0800 150 811. Staying in to watch the sport, let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotoflex, world-leading biomechanical design by Blunston. Stability meets the freedom to move. Available at participating retailers now. Hold on to your seats. It's the run home with Kirsten Beeve. to have you with us on the run home all thanks to Rotoflex by Blunston stability meets the freedom to move uh, you've been going crazy with your messages today and we've appreciated every single one of them uh, on the All Blacks coaching saga and these new names that keep appearing every single day in four to six weeks we will know exactly who the coach is moving forward and of course your Michael Jordan of the rugby world some interesting votes that had come in Beef, including yeah, your very imagine. own Conrad Smith your mind yeah. is in Melbourne tonight, clearly. You have been well, away with the fairies for the last hour. No, well, with text machine, I can't see with Texas. You're in charge of reading the Texas kiss. Can your mouth move? Yeah, yeah. I'll actually, actually just run my eye over the Chiefs team. And tell, give it to so, us. You know, this is the one that I've said you've got to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Simon Parker, after a couple of years of injury-ravaged years, he's this big, young, loose forward who you probably haven't seen enough of yet, Kirst. 
but once he gets a prolonged run, he has got the world at his feet, uh, they say. And uh, the Chiefs, they've certainly uh, made a few changes, that's for sure. Brent Gatlin's come onto the bench. No Josh Uwani yes. to be seen. No. And obviously after Josh impressed everyone and anyone. But no, they've completely redone that redone that reserve bench, haven't they? Um, Who so, comes in for Anton Leonard-Brown in the midfield? Uh, Poi Heppi, who uh, he, he was quite impressive last year when he got his chances for the Chiefs, actually. So uh, that's good. And there's a there's a debut for Punavai uh, nice. on the on the bench there. So he obviously comes in as the outside back cover. But Sean Stevenson back at 15. Yep. Coombs Fabling gets another crack. And it's a it's an Inanais Toru. He's in back. For, in for Solomon Alomalo. So who I think picked up an injury in that Crusaders game. And up front, uh, your boy, uh, future All Black to be, Ollie Norris. Starting spot, is it? Ollie Norris is back and he's partnering his Waikato mate, Georgie Dyer there. So uh, be, the be future. interesting have the future of the uh, Chiefs front row. See how they stack up against Moana Pacifica this weekend. Uh, Beave, you're off the clock now. You can officially go and hang Ooh. the headphones up. Uh, look out for those beer gardens <laughs> in Melbourne tonight. Beaver Boy. is on the loose. Oh, he'll go have a couple. He might have a couple. With well, this polo on. <laughs> Staying in to watch the sport? Let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Rotoflex, world leading biomechanical design by blood.